morning before any other thing is done we would just want to address a subject as a fact, yesterday yesterday the 10th of August 2019 was the day for those of us who were at the Saturday prayer breakfast the day we commenced we inaugurated we what other word we launched another word commission please another word I, I think I've said inaugurated already commence has been said already come again or said hmm Our times of refreshing began yesterday. And for those who are not aware, this is the second episode of what we call in this house times of refreshing. A lot were said, though in brief words, but a lot were said yesterday. And that is not my subject this morning. So I will encourage those who were not around kindly even if you're not on facebook help somebody to borrow you his facebook page and then just listen to what i said yesterday because it is paramount and rooted in all that will happen in the next let's call it 19 to 20 days by 30th of august which will be the last friday of this month and then we'll have an all night into 31st so by the close of this month we are in a period we call times of refreshing. However, it is needful we bear in mind that the times of refreshing is not just a period. It's actually what I said yesterday in brief. is actually the period between the coming of the Holy Spirit to the earth to dwell in man until God restores all things as they were before the fall. Please, is that okay? I said the times of refreshing, they are the period between the coming of the Holy Spirit until the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in man. I said it yesterday. I wondered how man could leave under the law, for instance, and obey God fully. And you will, you will get the reason why I'm saying so very soon. I wondered, because without the help of the Holy Spirit, man's spirit is helpless. I will explain in my message today, without the help of the Holy Spirit, man's spirit is helpless. And man, the real you is the spirit you. You were a spirit. You were supposed to obey those who live under the law. And yet they could not because man was helpless. Yet God's program was not to banish man entirely from the surface of the earth. Rather to save man and make that same man his dwelling place. There was a reason. We'll find that reason also very soon. Hallelujah. Amen. Why? One of the major reasons why God decided to come and live in man 
that the Holy Spirit will be in your spirit. We'll find out that reason also very soon. But here is the point. Until the restoration of all things, God has given a guarantee. What is the guarantee? His Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is the guarantee. His Holy Spirit in us is the guarantee that one day he will consummate salvation. He will put everything in order as they were before the fall of Adam. Hallelujah. That is the concept of the times of refreshing. So, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus and particularly who have received the Holy Spirit, you have something to love God for. You have something to cherish God for. You have something to enjoy and take advantage of over the natural man. Is that okay? And this morning, to begin with, in terms of the series of discussions we'll be having, as far as times of refreshing is concerned, we are talking about the place of fasting in, in these times of refreshing. Can you tell me about the place? The place of fasting of fasting in these times in this time of refreshing hallelujah in other words there's a place of fasting there's a place for instance for the word of god which we'll be discussing by the grace of god next week sunday the 18th of august and then there's also a place for the spirit which we'll be discussing by the grace of god on the 25th of august but this morning let me just go straight into the message. The place of fasting in these times of refreshing. I want us to bear in mind somebody I'm going to talk about who wrote to test of the New Testament. As a matter of fact, he describes himself as an apostle to the Gentiles. I'm talking about Apostle Paul. I want to just give you a simple example. Do you know that of all the apostles that were with Jesus Christ from Peter, James, and John and the rest, particularly those who wrote portions of the New Testament like Matthew, Mark was not even among the twelve. He was John Mark. And then Luke, a physician, you know, that John, James, and what have you do you realize from the new testament that none of these 12 apostles i know somebody like judas was replaced by matthias is that right was that right none of these 12 ever spoke about a subject like the holy communion anybody who has seen that in any of the epistles or any of the writings of these apostles Peter James John they spoke about the events okay in the in the, the, the story alright that was just the story I'm talking about letters that were written of course that's a very good one of course it is the writing of the apostles okay maybe my, I'm looking at the epistles. Let me narrow it. If I say the whole New Testament, I know you pick it for. I'm looking at the epistles, the writings to the churches. What am I trying to say? If not for somebody like Apostle Paul, who describes himself in 
Romans 11 verse 13 as an apostle of the Gentiles and who took it upon himself to be correcting and instructing and directing and teaching the Gentile churches and wrote letters and those letters were put together as epistles and they became scripture for us probably we will never have had the revelation behind the Holy Communion like our pastor said People like maybe Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John might have spoken about the Holy Communion. But it was Apostle Paul who gave us the spiritual implication and the spiritual import and even made us aware that because many did not descend the Lord's body by partaking of the Holy Communion, many are weak, many are sick, and many are even dead. The other apostles only recorded the event that the night before Jesus was crucified, this was what happened. That was all. That's the story. In fact, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are a collection of stories. Just like Acts of the Apostles, it's also a collection of stories that happened. It is like the things that continued after Jesus Christ had left the scene. But when it comes to the epistles, the epistles are like how do I put it? They are like images. They give photos of who we are. What we have become in Christ Jesus, we don't have the eyes to see it. But the epistles show us that when you read, for instance, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. You don't know that there is something new on the inside, but that picture shows you that you are new on the inside. Are you there? That's what I'm talking about. So the epistles give us revelations about who we are in Christ Jesus. And one of the things Apostle Paul did was teaching us as to why we need to do A, B, C, and D. And one of the things he spoke about, I'm going to show you, is fasting. He even didn't talk in detail about it, but he made a statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, which is an important statement every Gentile must follow. <laughs> when I say Gentile, I'm talking about somebody who is not a Hebrew. Somebody who is not a Jew. Or somebody who is not an Israelite. Are there Jews in the house? Are there Hebrews in the house? Mm. Alright. Of course, I know... The same Paul tells us that we are the true Jews. I know right. But we are talking about natural phenomenon here. First Corinthians 11 verse 1. What did he say? He says, the new King James says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Anybody can say that? I want to I wanna ask a question. Is there anybody who can have that authority and audacity to say that just the King James says, follow me. Is it follow after me or follow me? The King James. What did the King James say? Follow of me. Be ye followers of me. Be ye followers of, Be me. Ye followers of me. Or imitate me. Follow me. Somebody says, look at Jesus. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Then here comes another man who says that, follow me just as I follow Christ. 
What an example. And those who put the pieces together to make scripture didn't find anything wrong with it. They put it there. So it's scripture. So a believer, especially a Gentile believer who was not a Jew, you see, the only letter Paul wrote to the Hebrews, which is the book of Hebrews, when you read it, you get to know that indeed, the man was a, a, an apostle to the Gentiles. What am I saying? You will discover from the book of Hebrews that there, he was addressing things that we, who never live under the law, will never understand. If you never live under the law, you will never understand the doctrine of the washings, the tabernacles, the candle, the, all those things. But when he was addressing the Jews, because that was their practice, it was easily easy to understand. Are you getting the point? Some people have debated that, oh, is the book of Hebrews the Apostle Paul's writing? Yes. As a matter of fact, history tells us that he wrote to the Galatians and then attached the copy. He said, this one, to the Hebrews. So you don't find him addressing it like the way he said, Paul the Apostle, but it was a whole book to the Galatians and then he attached the book of Hebrews so that as you go and give this one to the Galatians, give this one to the Hebrews. Let them understand that the things that they believe in under the law, this is the true meaning in Christ Jesus. Please, am I communicating? I just want you to understand that we are dealing with an apostle who has been used by God to write some things for us. And if he says, follow me as I follow Christ, that means that there are some examples he 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 must have documented about himself that we can also follow. We can imitate. Somebody say amen. Let's look at that example and that is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This time you are not going 1 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11. The verse 27. Time will not permit me to read all that Apostle Paul said about himself in this particular chapter. But you see, there were so many people who were arguing with him. The man is not even called. They were saying so many things about Apostle Paul. And so, in verse 23, he actually said, are they ministers of Christ? He was like trying to argue his point out. I speak as a fool. Look at him. He said, I am more. If they said they are ministers of Christ, I am also more. Then why did he say he is more? He said, in labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. Do you know stripes? Beatings. <clears throat> in prisons, more frequently. He went to prison several times. In deaths, often. He died often. Did you hear that? Look, at least we have an example in the book of Acts where they stoned him. And after they stoned him, they knew that the man was dead and the believers surrounded him and prayed for him for realized he just got up again and move on and that was just one recording but he says in death often oh think about it <laughs> from the Jews now look at what the Jews did to him from the Jews five times I received 40 strikes minus one that is 39 times five that is how many strikes 45 mm, then you add 4 to 3 
and 5. So, 195. Am I right? 39 times 5 is what? Is what? 195 lashes. And when the Jews are lashing you, that is the same thing they did to our Lord Jesus Christ. Mind you, it is, it is the worst form of lashes anybody can receive. It's not ordinary koboko. It's not ordinary cane. These are, these are some hooks that have been intertwined into a form of a cane. And it is supposed that, just to show you mercy, the law says that you're supposed to be given 40 lashes. But to, they know by the time you, you are given the 40th lash, you will, you will just fall down dead. So they will just, to show you mercy, let's just subtract one. So 40 minus 1, 39 lashes. And he said he received that five times. So 195 lashes. He is speaking as a minister of the gospel. I don't know whether there are ministers here in the house. Twenty-five, verse twenty-five. Three times I was beaten with rods. Are you there? Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Oh, in journeys often. The man was a missionary, traveling all over. It's not like in these days where you can sit in your comfortable, lessless four-wheel drive and just drive around. Much of the journey was walking. And sometimes she, in, in ship, I don't know how their ships used to look like in those years. But he had shipwrecks. He said three times. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. Even armed robbers attack him. In perils of my own country. Countrymen rather. In perils of my own countrymen. You know countryman. You say countryman. My countrymen just do me some. In perils of the Gentiles. So both the Jews and the Gentiles. He suffered in their hands. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. Wow. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. Verse 27. That's where I'm going. In weariness and toil. In sleeplessness often. Look at the next line. In hunger and thirst. And then he said in fastings often. In cold and nakedness. Let me stop there. Now, the man is giving us a picture in verse 27. He spoke about hunger and thirst. Someone would, would have said that that is enough. But then he now gone, went on to say, in fastings often. Can I ask a question? What is the difference between hunger and thirst and fastings? Is there a difference? All right. At least we have defined in our first August devotion. IPR has a daily devotion. First August daily devotion. We define fasting as voluntary, voluntarily going without food or drink. That is fasting. Voluntarily. Some say voluntarily. voluntarily. In other words, you choose to go without food or drink. As a fasting is abstinence from food or drink and giving oneself to activities that deepen our intimacy and communion with God. 
But hunger and thirst is not voluntary. When there's no food at home and you don't have money to go and buy food and nobody provides you food and therefore you say that you are fasting, is that fasting? No. That is hunger strike. Because if food was available, you would have eaten. It was because there's no food or there was no food available. That is why you chose to fast. So there's a difference between... Now, in other words, Apostle Paul is saying that there were times where there was no food, there was no water. He was in the wilderness. He was maybe in the deep sea, shipwrecked. And there was hunger, there was no food. There were times where they had to offload you know, their ship. Food that was in ship, ship was sinking, so they had to throw the food into the sea so that they would not sink. I'm sure those times... After that, what food will you not get to eat? At a point in time, I remember one of the stories about Pastor Paul in the book of Acts. He actually told them that, look, an angel of the Lord stood by me. He said, an angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve, stood by me and said that, don't worry, everybody under, your, under you is safe. He was a prisoner himself and he was talking to the ship captain and the prisoners that now it's, it's been 14 days now and you have not eaten. Break bread and eat. Hallelujah. What a, what, a, what a man of God. What a man of God to imitate. All I want us to imitate about him today is what he call in fastings often. Hallelujah. Amen. Tell your neighbor, in fastings, in fastings often. often. Alright. So, hunger and thirst is not voluntary. That one, there's no food. That is why you chose not to eat or there was no food that is why you couldn't eat let me put it that way but fasting is voluntarily going without food or drink i hope that is clear my question is why do we have to imitate apostle paul he says follow me as i follow christ i thank god that even jesus christ gave that example also and we'll see that in our last scripture that we'll read jesus christ himself began his ministry with a fast after John the Baptist had baptized him and there was a voice. The Bible said the heavens were open and the spirit descended in the form of a dove upon him. And then God said that this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The next line says that he was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And for 40 days in those days he didn't eat anything. And after the fasting the temptation was recorded. Are you there? In other words, that temptation was actually a summary of all that he went through the 40 days. The 40 days was full of temptation whilst going without food. So Jesus Christ set the pace as the head of the church. Apostle Paul says, I am following after him. And then he says, you and I, Gentile church, follow me as I follow Christ. Had it being that Jesus Christ did not fast, I believe that some of us would have debated that after this one, I cannot follow up Apostle Paul because after all, Jesus Christ did not fast. But you even discover that as we talk about fasting, you discover that even Jesus needed to put in place the, I mean, the, the lifestyle of fasting for the reasons we are going to share. Somebody say amen. Amen. My question this morning is why fasting? Psalm 35, verse 13. A man called David, the king, who had so much 
over and above. There was so much in his kingdom, but he also voluntarily went without food. But he gave us a spiritual reason why he fasted. And I believe that that is actually the spiritual reason why the believer in Christ should fast sometimes, like we have chosen to do in these times of refreshing. Psalm 35, verse 13. Interestingly, the New King James puts it this way. He said, but as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself. It's okay. Because we will see in Philippians chapter 2 that it's okay to use the word myself with fasting. But the King James says, I humbled my soul with fasting. My emphasis on the soul is for a reason. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I humble, I humble my, soul my soul with fasting. With fasting. What does it mean to humble? In one of our devotions, I remember we said to humble means to bring under, to subjugate, to make submissive. You know, something wants to compete with you and then you humble the person. You bring the person under. Is that okay? Yes, Lord. Alright. Can I be permitted to read um, the second August edition? I'm not, not all. Just some portions of the second August edition of our devotion. IPL daily devotion. There were some things that we said. I titled it The Battle in the Soul. Tell you about the battle the battle in the soul in the soul have you ever heard before that the the soul is a battlefield the soul or the mind is a battlefield have you ever heard that before like in spiritual warfare if you have ever been taught spiritual warfare said so that the mind is a battlefield why do we say the mind or the soul is the battlefield what is that battle in the soul what is that contest what is that activity and that battle must be won by you. Remember, you are the, the real you is a spirit. Man is a spirit. He has a soul. And he lives in this container. This body. Hallelujah. Amen. This is our dormitory. This is our domicile. This is our, our house. We live in this body. But the real you is a spirit. He the real you fills up this container. And your soul is the link between your spirit and your body. And it is so intertwined in your spirit that it takes the word of God to actually tell the difference between your spirit and your soul. According to Hebrews chapter 4, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, you know, dividing asunder soul and spirit. It's the word of God that can tell the difference. Are you there? Yes, Lord. Alright. So, permit me, let me just read some portions of and I'll be explaining along the line anyway. In that devotion, the, the theme scripture was 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And I read, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, part of the message we shared was that the theme scripture reveals the three components of our tripartite being. Some say tripartite being. 
What does that mean? We are three in one. Spirit, soul, and body. Is that okay? Yes. Every human being. Once you are two in one, you are not a human being. We must cast you out from this earth. For instance, demons are disembodied beings. They don't have bodies. They are spirits. They may have a soul probably because they have their own will and they have their own emotions and they have their own mind. Is that okay? So, since they are not three in one beings, but they are two in one beings, they are illegal occupants on this earth. So, Jesus says, when you find them, cast them out from the earth. Because the place for trapatite beings is this earth. Or let me put it this way. This earth is the reserve for only trapatite beings. People who are three in one, spirit, soul, and body. So once you don't have a body, you are an illegal occupant. Never fear demons. Can I say to somebody, I said, do what? Never fear demons. You see, it's like meeting a snake. Oftentimes, the snake is not sure whether you are afraid or not. Once you start running away, then the snake says, ah, I've gotten him. Let me just chase him rather. But once you confront that snake, you'll be amazed that the snake will turn and rather be run away. That's how Satan behaves. He intimidates. He knows that he is illegally occupying places in the earth. And many times, he occupies human vessels. When he doesn't get human vessels, then he looks for animals or trees or objects and will praise through. Because they cannot function in this earth without functioning through a body. But when you meet a demon however fearsome they are and you know your God on the inside and you know that God is at work in you, never fear them. Hallelujah. You can confront any demon and say in the name of Jesus Christ get out. And they will come out. Casting out demons is like the way we breathe in and breathe out. Are you there? It's like the way we breathe in and breathe out. That's all. All right. So, in that devotion, we said something here. I said, the theme scripture reveals the three components of our trapezoid being and the order in which they occur. Your spirit, which is the real you, is a leader. Followed by the soul, which is the link between the spirit and the body. And the last in that order is your body. God's order therefore is spirit, soul and body. Did you hear that? Can we say that together? God's order therefore, God's order, therefore is, spirit, is spirit, soul, soul and, body. and body. But the fall of man reverse the order to body, soul and spirit. If you hear somebody's talking to say, my body, soul, and spirit, that means the person usually does not think like God. He always thinks body, 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 body. He doesn't even know anything about the spirit. So his language will be body, soul, and spirit. When did God put it that way? God is, you see, when you are growing in Christ, God is very particular about the language you speak. If God says spirit, soul, and body, and you now say body, soul, and spirit, you will put yourself into trouble. Am I communicating? When you are growing with God, be mindful how you quote God. You don't quote him 
halfway, you quote him the way he, he said it. Is that okay? Because he, every word, every sentence, every, every, everything will be accounted for. So God is very particular about the words that we use. So those of us who like talking, my body, soul, and spirit, be careful. It is spirit, soul, and body. All right. Let me go on. I said, God's order, therefore, is spirit, soul, and body, but the fall of man reveals the order to body, soul, and spirit. The flesh, which is a component of the body. Did you hear that? The flesh is what? It's a component of the body. Became the leader when man fell. That's where the danger has been ever since the fall of man. The flesh, which is a component of the body, became the leader when man fell and has always sought to lead the way even after one is born again. In other words, after your spirit has been recreated, after the life of God has been planted in you, the nature of God has been planted in your spirit, the flesh is battling. I still want to lead. I still want to lead. And it is a very rebellious feature in our members. It has always sought to lead the way even after one is born again, there is a constant battle in the soul as to whether to yield to the spirit or to the flesh. The one to which the soul yields or submits automatically becomes the leader. If your soul submits to your spirit, your spirit takes the leadership position and leads the soul and body in the right direction. On the other hand, if your soul submits to your flesh, your flesh will team up with your soul and assume the role of a leader. Obviously, your flesh will lead you astray when you allow it to play the role of a leader in your tripartite being. Now, before I, I bring the conclusion, can I get three men? Yes, come to me. Three men, please. Maybe the three of you, if you don't mind. Yeah, thank you. Kindly come. Just face the congregation. Thank you. Alright. So, our brother Peter is in the middle. Let's call him the soul. Alright? Um, Pastor Ashiabo, let's call him the body. Okay? And then, let's call Mr. Gah the, the spirit. We said the spirit is what? The leader. It's a spirit, soul, and body. Alright? The spirit is the leader. Can you turn this direction? Yes. So, the spirit, you will discover why God put his spirit here. Because if not for the Holy Spirit in our spirit, I'm telling the flesh, the body, would have always, you know, taken over and lead us in the, in the wrong direction. Are you there? Why God puts his spirit, his spirit here is to energize our spirit to take up his leadership role and responsibility. So this is the spirit going in this direction, following after the Holy Spirit, energized by the spirit. Mind you, the Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That's the spirit. The Lord is that spirit. Okay. So the spirit of God leads the spirit in his spirit. He leads you in your spirit. He puts a witness in you what to go, I mean where to go, what to do, who to marry, 
who to you know become an associate with uh, who to where to go and live he leads us here the soul which is also made up of our mind or intellect our will and then our emotions naturally is supposed to have followed the spirit where the spirit is going but because of the fall please note because of the fall because the flesh which is a component of the body has always sought to lead the way oftentimes there's a battle here in the soul can you you you'll be doing something like this you'll be going this way uh, no don't pull him just just free your hands and just be going you go yes and then okay okay you turn this way ha uh-huh, thank you yes and go this way have you seen what's going on no just look ha uh-huh. you are going this direction and then you are going this direction should i say yes should i say no should i say yes you know that song <laughs> should i say no should i and there's a strong battle going on in the soul of every human being so long as you're a human being there's a battle should i yield to the spirit should i yield to the flesh the bible said that the flesh is in galatians right the flesh lasted against the spirit and the and the spirit against the flesh and the two are contrary to each other it's in galatians chapter five this is the battle of the human personality please you haven't finished oh hey you don't rest <laughs> yeah when the battle is won, we will tell you where you are going yes i'm telling you this is the battle there's so much agitation in the soul so much going on in our soul should i your mind is not settled what is my mind the flesh so oftentimes you can stop now we're going to show you where you go what fasting does according to psalm 35 verse 10 is i humbled my soul with fasting is that when the soul wants to yield to the flesh and the leadership of the flesh fasting fasting says stop and then fasting now directs the soul this way i'm telling you and so once the spirit is going and fasting has been able to tame the soul and the soul is going that way the flesh it's in the minority. It's a majority that leads and also two, this two third against one third. So the flesh has no choice. The body has no choice. You, you will conform. This is what Paul, the apostle meant by I bring my body under. He said that after I have, he said that me, I am preaching, but I am making sure that I bring my body under lest after I have preached to others, I myself will not be a castaway. You can be used by God to save millions of souls and still be a castaway. Do you know a castaway? To be cast into the everlasting fire. Say, God forbid. That is why we cannot take credit for any good work that we do. It is, it is by this thing called grace and grace alone. Are you there? Sometimes, when we are ministering, and the power of God is flowing and people are being saved you, it can enter your head and make you feel that you are doing something nothing, we are not doing anything honestly, it is God at work in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure he only found a vessel 
You only made yourself available. But when now you allow the flesh to make you think that you are the one who is doing something, let's now watch something. When when pride enters, for Bible says pride goes before the fall, and the flesh now takes over, turn this way, okay? And then the the soul begins to think in the line of the flesh. Your mind makes you think that you are the or God, you are to be worshipped. Now your will is so strong that your will now follows the, the direction of the flesh. Can you follow this way? Can you imagine? Your flesh, I mean your spirit, is now confused. Thank God for the Holy Spirit in our spirit. Hallelujah. If not for the Holy Spirit who checks us, our spirit will always be a slave. I'm telling you. I said thank God for the Holy Spirit in our spirit. And if we can yield to his influence, he will lead us in the right way. But if you put your spirit in servitude, in slavery, then this spirit, who is supposed to go in the right direction, now is compelled. Think about it. When your spirit is compelled to follow the leadings of the flesh. Bible says that the wages of sin is what? So when the flesh is leading, definitely is leading into death. Paul said, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. In my flesh dwelleth what? No good thing. Jesus also said, it is a spirit that quickens, that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. I didn't say the body. The flesh is a component of the body. The flesh profits nothing. The flesh has lasts. It lasts for so many things. It was the flesh of the last that led to man's fall. I'm the last of the flesh. Did I say the, yeah, the last of the flesh? That's what led to man's fall. When the serpent beguiled Eve and spoke those, the Bible says, when she saw that, oh, this is good to see and, and it, it can satisfy, ah, then it just conformed. And that's what brought man's trouble till today. But glory be to God. God did not leave us without solution. He gave us a phenomenon called fasting. Someone say fasting. For those of us who have many excuses for not fasting, say, I repent in the name of Jesus Christ. If there was anybody who didn't like fasting, it was me. I'm telling you the truth. I've told you before. I remember last year. So God sent even a young boy who was not a university student but came to visit a sibling and called my name, Samuel, from afar. And I turned, I said, who is this young boy? And that day, I had gone to inaugurate a fasting on Sabbath field for the fellowship, Legon Pentecostal Union, for the whole church to fast. As a prayer general, everybody's fasting. Meanwhile, I said in my head, as a science student, I'm going to be in the lab the whole of Friday so, because I'm not going to have the opportunity to pray, then I'm not fasting. I have commissioned fasting, but I was going to cook oats and eat and go for lectures. So, on my way from Summerfield, before I could climb, I was at Okonglo, that's um, NSB, Sabah NSB. I was going to climb the stairs, and I heard Samuel, I turned. Here is this young boy. Then I said, who are you? He said, God says to me to tell you that you don't like fasting. I was like, where is this boy coming from? 
And it is because you don't like fasting. That is why he is not able to do A, B, C, D in your life. He mentioned some deep things about me. And I knew that God had sent this boy to talk to me. From that day. Though I fasted that day. But I still struggled because it was an indoctrination. I carried from some teachings before I entered the university that fasting without prayer is a weight reduction exercise. And that when you are fasting and you are not praying, you are going on a hunger strike. And I, and I learned these things. I had heard them over and over. Watch what you hear, people of God. I heard them over and over. So much that it had become a part of me. So, so long as as a science student, I'm fasting and I'm not praying, it means I'm wasting my time. I taught these things to the same group, I'm telling you. Behind Balm Library, we'll go and pray at dawn. I'll be saying that fasting without prayer is a, is a weight reduction exercise. And I was saying these things until that encounter. Even that, I still struggled until one day I met Prophet Manasseh too in his office. Without he knowing what I was struggling with as a prophet, I believe, he was talking to me. All of a sudden, he just changed the topic and said that some people say that when you fast and you don't pray, you're wasting your time. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. As you were saying, it's a lie. As if they were removing scales from my eyes. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's Oh my God. That was what converted me. That was what changed me until almost all the days I spent with Prophet Manasseh at two in Watered Garden, we spent the days fasting. I'm telling you. Are you there? Say, I repent. So those of us who have excuses for not fasting, there's a place for humbling our soul. It's a decision. It's a voluntary decision. If you, if you find yourself misbehaving, I hope you know all of us can misbehave sometimes. You can misbehave in your mind. Sometimes we, you can just have some personal will, say that I'm going to do some crazy thing. Crazy thing. And then who pays the price? Are you there? Sometimes your emotions can just go wild, like wildfire. And you feel like satisfying some emotions that will dampen your spirit. At that level, what do you do? You say, hey, flesh, you want to take the lead. I stop you now. And how do you stop the flesh? You don't stop the flesh by, you know, just starting with the flesh. You just target the soul by voluntarily going without food or drink. Just for some few hours, and you see that all of a sudden, I didn't I'm a man nano. I'm a brass. I like that. And come take take your seat. Put your hands together. So a Christian who does not fast is not imitating the apostle of the Gentiles. He says, Follow after me, imitate me. As I imitate Christ. Alright. Let me just read Philippians. Time is gone. Let me read Philippians chapter 2. I'm sure that in the course of the period we can be sharing more. Philippians 2 to just conclude. Philippians 2 verse 5 to 8. Apostle Paul writing to the church of Philippi. And he was testifying about Jesus. He said, Let this mind be in you. Oh, I love this one. Is somebody going to work on his soul? He's talking about let this mind be in you. It's a mind. It's a mindset. 
He's talking about the soul because the soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Let this mind be in you. Let it be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, Jesus is God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a born servant and coming in the likeness of man so jesus christ though he is god he came as man do you know something everything jesus christ did on earth he didn't do it as god everything from beginning to the end he did it as man anointed by god in other words, he has given us a picture, an example. You can be anointed by God to do the same. That is why he said, the works that I do, you will do and even do greater works. So if Jesus Christ walked on water, after all, we even find we have a man called Peter who also walked on water. So long as you keep your eyes on Jesus, you can walk on water. He turned water into wine. I prophesy, may God give somebody a working a gift of working of miracles where you turn water into wine. Amen. Having two head of testimonies of how somebody could move a vehicle without any engine. And it was a test. If you say you're a Christian, drive this car. And everybody knew that that day he was going to fail. Because they had already planned that they are going to remove the engine and let him drive the car and let's see whether he would succeed. He sat in this car, started it, moved, and everybody was clapping. He was wondering why are they clapping? Not knowing it was a test of his faith. He's a soldier. A car without engine moving. How did it happen? It's the gift of working of miracles. Amen. I prophesy God will raise apostles and prophets, Amen. evangelists and pastors and teachers. Amen. God will raise workers in the house. Amen. Who will be so anointed Amen. that they will walk in the foot in the footsteps of Jesus yes, and Lord. step in the shoes of Jesus. Yes, Lord. So Jesus Christ did not do anything as God, though He was God. He came here as man anointed as 10 38 says how god anointed jesus christ of nazareth he, he specified where he even comes from the village called nazareth with the holy ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for god was with him and that same god is with us amen. and he's in us amen. and he's at work in us amen. and he's upon us amen all you need to do is to let the spirit take the lead Amen. Thank God for the Holy Spirit who energizes us. Amen. So that the Spirit can lead, the soul will follow. Amen. As you humble Him, Amen. And your flesh, your body will follow in that direction. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me finish that scripture. Let his mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man. What did he do? Being found in appearance as a man. What did Jesus do, please? He did what? He humbled himself. Can I ask a question? Based on all that we've said so far, how did Jesus humble himself? How?
through what? Certainly. You see, if you want to learn scripture, no scripture stands alone. Any scripture that stands alone can never make a doctrine. Are you there? Yes, no. Time will not permit me for me to give you an example. In 1 Corinthians 15, for 29, yeah, otherwise, otherwise, what would they do? What will they do who are baptized for the dead if the dead not do not rise at all? Why are they why then are they baptized for the dead? Did you hear that? Now, this particular statement can never be found anywhere again in scripture. Baptize for the dead. In other words, somebody died, okay? Maybe he died in sin. And then the practice in those days was that he was addressing the Corinthian church. They believe that if the person is dead and probably is going to go to hell, then another relative or a son or a daughter can be baptized on his behalf or her behalf so that, you see, so they were practicing baptism for the dead. And Paul says that if there was no resurrection, why didn't you have that belief? He, it was an argument he was putting across, but it was not a doctrine he was establishing. That is why that verse stands alone. Had it appeared any other where in scripture, that would have become a doctrine. Where we would have been baptizing people for the dead. But because it stands alone, it can never be a doctrine. Have I communicated? Yes, in other words, you can never establish a doctrine with one verse of scripture for in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word every matter be established praise the lord hallelujah what am i saying what led us to this what led us to this i was talking about jesus humbling himself and i said how did he do it and the answer was he did it through fasting because David shows us that I humbled my soul with fasting. Now we see in scripture, even on the first August 2019 devotion, I even quoted other scriptures like Peter and 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 uh, James. Both of them told us to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and you'll be lifted up. What were they talking about? What do you think they were saying? How do you do it? It's through fasting. Maybe nobody has ever taught you that, but if you read James, James even said, put on sackcloth, mourn, and be afflicted. What was he talking about? In fasting, in those days when they fast, they sit in ashes and in sackcloth. So James had that. He was a Jew, a typical. James was a typical Jew. I heard one man of God say that when he gets to heaven, the first person he's going to look for is James and ask him some questions. Because there are some things that James said, it was so raw. He, that's a typical Jew talking here. He said, be afflicted, mourn. And, you know, uh, you understand? That is a, a picture of fasting. So, what are we saying? Fasting is a doctrine in the New Testament. Let no one deceive you. Other than that, you will be in Christ and still be a rebel because the flesh has taken the lead. May the Spirit of the living God. The spirit of the living God Amen. who lives in our spirit gives, I mean, give you a witness and give me a witness that what we are sharing today is truth so that we will walk in this truth 
for you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free i pray in the name of jesus christ amen that in these times of refreshing amen as we wait on god in prayer and fasting amen even if you are not praying whilst you fast learn from me it's not a waste of time amen it's not a weight reduction exercise amen it is not it is not infutility amen i believe that fasting and prayer are two departments in the same faculty did you hear that sometimes you can have zoology botany chemistry physics all under the same science faculty physics and chemistry are different departments they function differently in other words they don't have to function at the same time to make the department uh, the faculty complete so sometimes you can fast you may not have the opportunity to pray but it doesn't mean you're wasting your time so after you have finished your fasting then you can add the prayer if you have the opportunity to combine the two so be it but if you don't have the opportunity don't be like me in those days where you will be commissioning people to go and fast go and prepare us may the lord bless you Amen. stand to your feet people of god Amen. hallelujah